Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. I'm not sharing what I should be sharing this morning. Here is Paul saying, greet Rufus. That's a friend of Paul's. Chosen the Lord and his mother, who is like my mother. So even Paul, as he was traveling and he would uh, find occasions to be in different areas, he had those that would serve as moms. Uh, you know, Sister Alma, when we first got saved, became a spiritual mom. Uh, there was a lady called Alice. She was a spiritual mom. Uh, in this house, Clarita, a spiritual mom. And so many of us have learned that it's a blessing to have spiritual moms. How many, how many have a spiritual mom, right? If you don't, make sure you get adopted. Make sure you get picked up by a spiritual mom and, and you truly honor her as a mother. Uh, a lot of people would, would have, oh, I don't have a mom, I don't have a mom. You don't have a mom because you don't want one, okay? Get yourself a spiritual mom, someone who will nurture you in the Lord, who will nurture you and embrace you. A lot of these spiritual moms are um, also part of what, we have been able to become in the Lord because of the spiritual moms who have embraced us. We hugged on them uh, in difficult times of our life. You don't have to be a spiritual orphan. Um, uh, you know, those of you that know that you are spiritual moms, could you stand up this morning? Not, we're not talking about physical moms. If you're a spiritual mom and have spiritual children, could you stand, please? Do you know who you are? Just put, get yourself on your feet. I want you to look around at the spiritual moms in this house, and you could pick any single one of them. And stay, stay on your feet, stay on your feet. Uh, I want them to get a good look at you, okay? Uh, make sure that you have a spiritual mom. Uh, because if you don't have a godly spiritual mom, the devil will make sure you have a devilish spiritual mom who will be constantly putting fear into your life and worry. And that, that's a satanic mom. Someone that's always saying something bad's going to happen to you. A, a, a spiritual mom will say everything will go well with you. You fear not. Your future is bright. And she'll make you affirmed in this. And so that is our desire. That there would be many. Just like there's, uh, Paul says that we have not many spiritual dads. Uh, there are spiritual mothers that, that you can sit down. They'll never charge you for their time. I mean, they should, they should be filthy rich with endless treasure, with the amounts of time that they spend giving godly advice, and yet they do it because of love. Amen? So let's give a big hand to these spiritual moms. And we are raising up and, and bringing up a lar lot larger uh, amount of moms. For those of you that don't understand what motherhood is all about, um, I got a video for you this morning, and we have put a man in the role of a mom to see how he likes it so that he could begin to cherish and he could begin to bless that woman who has mothered and serves in that capacity in their lives. Let's go ahead and watch this real quick. And you guys enjoy this. This is hilarious. A step-by-step -step guide to experience the life of a mother. To start off this experience, go to the kitchen and fill a gallon-sized bag with water. 
Carry that 10-pound bag of water around from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wake up at midnight. Wake up at 3 a.m. Wake up at 6 a.m. and get ready for work. Look cheerful and be a productive member of society. To understand what it's like to feed a nine-month-old, take a melon, cut a hole in it, and suspend it from the ceiling. Swing it from side to side and attempt to spoon soggy oatmeal in the hole. You can forget about owning a sports car. The humble minivan is the official vehicle of motherhood. To make it look like a real family vehicle, take an entire package of cookies and smash them all over the van. Now you're ready to go to the grocery store. For this experience, take the closest thing to a preschool child you can find. A full-grown goat is an excellent choice. Be sure to pay for and clean up any messes that are caused by the goat. In the end, any mother will say that it's all worth it and that she wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Just remember, a good sense of humor is one of the most important things you need to be a mom. Hallelujah. Amen. Hilarious. That times a thousand. Amen. Uh, that's just a little view into the hardships of motherhood and, um, and truly say that we need to do everything possible to make their task easier and refreshing. Um, God has been so good to us in that regards. Um, why don't you turn to your neighbor today and say, neighbor, just, just try to receive the heart of God this morning. Um, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children back to Sunday school. We apologize for any semblance of uh, comparing you guys to goats. Too funny. Those of you who weren't here on Wednesday and Thursday of this past week, please get a copy of the message. Uh, it's called The World Changing Love, and it is the most, and if there's not enough back there, uh, make sure you order one. It's, it's, it's the single most powerful message that has been shared in this church for the past 15 years. Uh, there have been some powerful messages, but none more powerful than the midweek service. Now, remember this, that... 
God says if we're to attain to the fullness of his uh, provision for our life, um, we're to seek the truths of God. Um, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 4. He says, seek for wisdom as if it were silver, search for her as she was a hidden treasure. And then verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And God wants to give us, he says that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and but we must search her out as silver and as treasure. And every day that we gather here in the house of God, uh, God is pouring it out. This past Sunday, uh, Wednesday and Thursday has been the most powerful uh, ever message on on what God is requesting, requiring, and desiring enough to stand before His presence in a manner. I don't know if if you worry about that time. If you're a, a serious Christian, you would be. You would be concerned of the day you stand before the Lord. And I just give a little synopsis here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. It says, um, 1 John 4, 17, let love be perfected among us in this so that we might have confidence in the day of judgment. Okay? So to stand before God on that day at the throne God is going to compare everything that you're passionate about and love and desire and put that in a balance with how you loved him and how you loved others. That's what it comes down to. That's everything written in the Bible. It's every message that's ever been brought by any prophet or messenger of God is the aspect that we were created to uh, love God and to love others. And our gauge in that regards, almost anything that is sin, anything that is uh, missing the course of the bullseye is when you're not acting in love. And, and so love is such an abstract concept to us. And so on Wednesday and Thursday, I believe God made it super clear for us that, that on the day of judgment, just like it says here, if you're going to have boldness and confidence, it's to the degree you have perfected love. And you can't love anything if you don't love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. If you don't do that, you can't do the second one, which is similar to it, which is to love others as yourself. And so upon those things, uh, sin has come in the world and has robbed us of our capacity to love. Uh, sin is hyper-selfish. When you cheat on your wife, when you steal from others, when you lie, when you do anything, all you're doing is subtracting love from the equation. And so we don't want love to be abstract. We want it to be substantive, real, authentic, and without hypocrisy. So please get a copy of that message. Um, I believe that as we, as we let that word wash us, as we understand what God is looking for, we're going to be... Uh, more accurate in our life as believers. Um, for the world has spectacular performance. How, how many have ever been to a worldly spectacular performance? You've been to Circus Olay, or you've been to the Barnum and Bailey, the greatest show on earth. That's a performance driven. Or maybe you back in the old days, you went to a Michael Jackson concert or a Madonna concert. You saw you saw Beyonce at the Super Bowl. Listen to me. This here is not a performance. 
This is not to feed your carnal flesh. Um, this is to nourish your spirit. And so there is a war there fighting between the flesh and the spirit. And many times you'll see us, you know, I'm going to go out to a good, I'm going to give my, while Paul used to say, I buffet my flesh, some of us buffet our flesh. We go out and involve ourselves in worldly things. You guys know where worldly things up, right? Do you guys know where it ends up? It ends up having f- dead works, fruits that, that there are not good. They don't taste good. And so a lot of people that are into feeding the flesh, and, and you feed it, and you feed it, and you feed it. The Bible says it's never satisfied. So Jesus gave us the answer to crucify our flesh. To deny that appetite. It says, do not let the flesh fulfill its lust. How many, how many know that, that the lust and the flesh has an appetite for, for things that are not going to go in the right direction? And then, and then we suffer a lot. But if we're spiritually minded, if we feed the spirit, there's life and peace. We fulfill the purpose of life. So uh, today for Mother's Day, always Mother's Day and Father's Day is a very weary time around here. It's a, it's, a, it's a real tough time because we see the standard of God's desire. We see what God wants. And, and when you see what God wants, you've, you fall miserably short and you're like, man, they're going to bring out this Proverbs 31 woman again. They're going to talk about this woman who's, who's perfect and, and she never messes up. And, and I, I want you to understand this. And this is, this is my heart. If we don't have a clear standard of what God wants, we're going to go off in another direction. So the more we are visibly seen, the measure. Um, you guys know the man in Revelations. He says, life is great. I have made it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick some more money in the bank. I'm going to sit back and relax. And then that rebuke came from heaven. You guys know the rebuke, right? Uh, this, this man here thought everything was going right. And all of a sudden, a rebuke comes from heaven. And, and I'll, I'll just show you at what level. Um, let's go there real quickly. Revelations chapter 3, verse 17. Look at, look at the mindset of this man. I'm, I'm going to push my, my pulpit here a little bit closer. There we go. There we go. That's fine. Um, Revelations 3, 17, he says, Because I say, you say I'm rich. And I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. Me, myself, and I. That was his focus. And you do not know, and do not know. This is reality. You're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. That, 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 is, that is a contrast. What he thought what he aspired, what he was indifferent to became a total travesty when 
compared to reality. I don't know about you, but on this side of eternity, I want to know what God wants. Because if I could move in the direction of what God wants and desire that his grace would transform me. The Bible says we're being renewed from glory to glory, closer to closer. Uh, 30 years ago, man, I was out in the middle of nowhere. Now I understand what God's desire is. What we heard on Wednesday and Thursday night was the full desire of God. I mean, this is almost like having the exam before the day of the exam. How many have an open book test? You like that better than those surprise exams, right? Well, God is speaking to us so clearly in a world that's so confused and so off the mark. And so every Mother's Day, the Lord does the same thing. Uh, we bring back to mind what is our pursuit in the things of God. So we're not uh, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Horrible that at the end of life's pursuit, there is such a vast majority of people that look back and say, man, why, why did my life, why was it terrible? Why did it mess up? Why did it end up in a dead end? And so I've looked around in the last couple of days here as we were approaching Mother's Day. How many have seen a smile on the average middle-aged woman's face? If you go around the malls nowadays, and if you go around looking at how a woman looks at her husband and how the children are growing up looking at mom with a total gorilla mindset. <sighs> gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. And, and there's a reason for that. There is no refreshing on their countenance. There's no peace. And so why is there not no peace? Let me just suggest to you, it's not man's fault. Anybody want to go there? That your happiness and your peace is not subjected to what someone else has decided to do or not do. But your refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. And if you abide in that place where God has told, told, you know, now it's Mother's Day, so we're going to deal with women on Father's Day, is going gonna, is gonna to be tremendous around here. Um, but today we're dealing with women and we're saying there's a reason why there's not a countenance of joy and peace. And, and it's not because of man and it's not because of the social dilemma of, of uh, mishandling women in our generation. Because there are women that fear the Lord and they're greatly to be praised. And in this time and age, they're considered super. Um, they said that you will be praised at the gates of the city. There's women that live a certain life. I want to suggest it's a hidden life. I want to suggest they're not being rewarded now, but they will be rewarded in the time to come. They're sowing, they're cultivating now, because in their future, they're going to receive the works that praise them. And, and there's a lot of praise for women in the Bible, the highest of praises. We're going to get into that in a second. The most loftiest, you know, in this last couple of months here, uh, we heard of, of this celebrity, Beyonce. She's one of the young girls 
that's most uh, renowned and known in our generation. Keep an eye on that. Because either the Bible is true, or what she's pursuing will give forth fruit of praise and reward. Either, either a virtuous woman who fears God will be praised, or somebody who's like Beyonce, that wants to be so overwhelmingly known in our generation, she even covenants, listen to this, she makes an a inner secret covenant, a pact with an evil spirit to be able to perform and to give the world what they long to see. I don't know if you guys know the spirit's name, right? Sasha, okay? An evil spirit. She says, I tell Sasha to come inside of me, and she just does everything. And sometimes I'm not, I don't even know what's going on. So, see, that is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord will come in you with holiness, with conviction, and will, will make you do, will influence and impress upon you what, what this Sasha spirit or any other spirit that we embrace will not. And so I challenge the women today to have an open heart and ears to hear what we will uh, see in the Word of God this morning. Father, I give you thanks for your mercy and grace. I give you thanks for your peace. I give you thanks for truth that becomes evidence for those, becomes a reality for those who love truth in the inward most parts of their being. There is no resentment rising up. There is no bitterness, for they've chosen the best lot. This will not be taken away from them. And I pray, Father God, for a generation of wise women that raise up in their generation and have zero appetite for the flesh, zero appetite for the ways of this world, that will not be deceived and led down a different course that will not fulfill the passions of the lust of the flesh and the depression and anguish of the soul that is far from your spring of life in the fear of God. Give us women who choose what is best, who raise up godly offspring in the fear of God, who have a harvest in this generation of children that honor the Lord, because they have witnessed their mom, the passion of wanting to please with their entire being the God of glory. Give us wisdom that want to produce the harvest of godliness you desired. When you said that man would be blessed and fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion. We pray for your grace to be upon us this day. And we celebrate, O oh God, what you have put in order. We celebrate that which is from the beginning. We lift up the banner of God that those who know the Lord will depart from evil. And they will be vessels of honor for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now the Bible is the one that births the definition of mother. And... These are the words that are implicated in the life of a godly mother. Her value far surpasses 
any income that comes into the house. That means some women are trading the character of woman to go get a paycheck. You've been deceived. You've been fooled. For your greatest return and reward is raising up seed that fears God and serves Him according to His purpose. Women that could be entrusted. I don't know anything greater to be entrusted to a woman than a child. I was saying that it's a travesty that some children have been placed in the hands of ungodly mothers. Negligent mothers. Mothers that don't have a clue the importance of that which they've been entrusted to. But a mother knows that she has a season. And so she continually does good. Not for a season, for all time. She's industrious. She's not lazy. She's wise. She's diligent. She's not an airhead like some would suppose. For man should not be alone. I will give to him that which he needs to succeed, to prosper, to attain the full call of God. Without a woman, a man is stripped, lost. We always say from this pulpit that a man is a single-engine Cessna. And a woman is a marvelous, amazing spaceship. She can go into galaxies unknowns and comes back before the man blinks his eye. Wonderfully and powerfully and fearfully fashioned by God. With the word, perfect helper. And so you know and I know that our greatest Talents and gifting becomes our worst enemies and becomes our biggest hindrance. For example, I make a living of using my mouth, preaching the wisdom and the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess what? That's where I mess up the most with my mouth. Because your greatest asset becomes your greatest liability. And so woman also... Called to the greatest of God's purpose. Has fallen to the greatest of travesty in our world. So I was talking to a young girl the other day at City Hall. And she says, I'm a feminist. I go, young girl, you're 20 years old. You don't even know what a feminist is. Go and look for the pioneers of the feminist movement. Go and speak to Joan Rivers. How many know Joan Rivers? She was a pioneer. That woman, he man, she man. Let her do what she can do in her potential. And she says, in the last couple of years of her life, she's dying. She says the feminist movement was the biggest lie sold to women. Because in their liberation to go out to work, now they're enslaved in work and at home. They've been deceived. And so now they're doing man's work on the workforce and they come home to do what we just saw in that video. They try to, to, to carry the burdens that God omnipotent has told her she cannot. And so pride becomes the issue of Satan's heart. I will lift myself. I will go where God has said no. I will set my boundaries and my goals in areas God has said no. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, in the New Testament, God continues 
to address the woman and say to man, live with her, giving her the help of honor for what she does because she is a weaker vessel. And the word used there is astenaeus, which is a Greek word means without strength. What's that mean? That although God has called the woman to a fascinating, fashionable existence and purpose, she is not to undertake realms of responsibility were not given to her by God. We're not the pursuit God has given the woman. And so the Bible says, let her beauty be inward. And you see all the fashion models in the outside perfecting the exterior and the inward character beauty is non-existent for a quiet and peaceful spirit is pleasing to the Lord. A restraining your character, your attitudes. We see Naomi Campbell when just she's slightly moved in the wrong direction, how she bursts out with wrath and anger. And all these supermodels are super ugly in their character, have not restrained their spirit cannot govern their attitudes and their frown. For a frown on a woman is contempt to her husband. It's contemptual. And we've made it a continual pastime. Who could flip their eyes the worst? Who can perk their lips the worst? To offend their husband. And so in modern times, women have decided we're not weaker vessels. Albert Einstein's wife decided she would be the first woman to go and pursue a career in mathematics and physics. And she became that woman who received the return of her harvest. As she was publicly disgraced. As her husband writes a letter to her and says, 11 years into the marriage, I cannot stand you. And the only way that I will be willing to continue to live with you is if you abide by these aspects. He gave her about 10 conditions. One of those conditions was quit berating me in front of my children. Quit making me look like a clown in front of my 11-year-old boys. For they had two boys. And when he wrote this letter, she was pregnant. And she decided that she would give her daughter into adoption because it was more important to pursue a career than a family. And so one of the things he wrote in those conditions, I'm not, I'm not saying these conditions are right. I'm just letting you know what was behind the scenes. And what is it behind the scenes in the lives of many of those that are in celebrity? And in the life of many of those that are not pursuing God, the scientist demanded that she would keep his home in tidy repair. Well, I have to suggest that their home looked like a cyclone had gone through it. She didn't have the capacity to keep the home. In fact, there was no home. It was a ghost town. Keep my home tidy, he says. Otherwise, I will not live with you. Cook me my meals. There's no food in my house, he wrote. 
There's no food in the kitchen, no food in the refrigerator. Keep my clothes in good order. Manage the home. Keep order in the laundry. Keep my bedroom neat. He kept on writing. You will stop talking to me upon my request. This is, this is, this is both insulting and insightful. How many say amen? But it just gives you a little parameter of what people are living nowadays. You will obey me in the following points. You will not protest and complain upon my request. You will undertake not to belittle me in front of our children, either through your words or through your behavior. This is Albert Einstein. It's not a long letter. It's an insightful letter to let us understand that a wise woman will build a home, a family, that she sets the thermostat and the atmosphere of her house, or she destroys it because she's ungovernable. There is no rest. There is no refreshing. And so if we're going to change the world, like, like men have said before, men have said that it's a woman, it, it's this, it says, it's she who rocks the cradle that will govern the world. It says like this, they say that man is mighty, he governs the land and the sea, he wields a mighty scepter on the lower powers than he. But mightier power and stronger from a man his throne hurls. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. What's that mean? That mama, you're the one that establishes everything that governs your home. You're the one that, that allows the glory of God to come in. Your marriage relationship through your wisdom. Your children will be princes and princesses upon the earth as they see the dignity and the honor by which you prevail. And it continues to be forevermore that God has established that it is the seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15 I will put a declaration of war between you Satan and the woman. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Who will prevail? The one that's able to bring up seed. And her seed shall be able to bruise the head of Satan in the kingdom of darkness. It is what a woman fashions. You listen to me. You have 25 years of your life, young lady. You're telling me at the end of that Age, your son wants to be a woman, and your woman wants to be a man, and they both hate the marriage relationship, and they hate God, and they hate the ways of God? Who did that? Did Satan come in while you were sleeping? 
Did someone steal the hearts of your children that were to be nurtured by you? Wellington Boone was powerful this week as in the Kingmakers Conference. He says, God did not entrust man with the ability of creation. He put it in the womb of mom. He put there special, precious seed, desiring a godly inheritance. And we have trampled that seed instead of trampling Satan's head. We have trampled without wisdom. God was thinking of mom even before he created the woman. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, he says, This reason a man shall leave his father and mother. This joint effort of a teamwork. Let me tell you something. You saw my son preach last Sunday, right? You were here. Listen to me. There's a woman. There's a mom. Now, I like to take credit as a dad and as a pastor, but let me tell you something. It's mom. It's mom. It's mom that goes into that realm of nurturing, nourishing that seed. And it's powerful. We've allowed the devil to take a greater hold of our children. In Genesis 3.20, he says that man called his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all living things. You're the, you're the mom. No one else is the mom. You could blame the dad all day. You could have a countenance of contempt all you want. But at the end of the day, my friend, it is that hand that rocks the cradle, that raises up godly seed. This was what was told upon women all the time. Genesis chapter 17, verse 6. As they were talking to, I believe it was Rebecca. 17, 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Well, what for? Because I want nations to come from your womb. And kings will come from you. Not a local manager at a store. Not a regional director of an enterprise. Kings over nations. But not when you neglect. Not when you go take to a daycare and have somebody without a high school diploma taking care of your precious seed 10 hours a day. Not when you have gone into another garden because the devil has planted in you a desire for things not your own. And you're disowning that which you will hold yourself responsible before in the presence of God to make kings. Verse 7, God says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you between me and your descendants after you for many generations, for an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your children after you. He's telling a woman, your children are going to believe God the way you do. They're going to understand God as your heart understands God. They're going to serve the God of their fathers regarding the nurturing of God. And so here it is again in verse 8. I will give you and your children after you as an everlasting possession. God is going to bless your socks off. God is going to prosper you in all ways. Genesis chapter 24, verse 60. He says again, And they blessed Rebekah, 
and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of a thousands and ten thousands. Sterility was a curse amongst God's people. Like not nurturing. We've already got past the biological. I wasn't able to birth. I had cancer. My ovaries were taken out. That does not limit you from being a mother. We all heard of Mother Teresa. Mothering left and right and in every place and renowned for her compassion and her faithfulness. And here in our church, we have 25 orphans. Which one have you mothered, embraced, cared for, hemmed their pants, talked about their issues? You can mother if you stop being selfish. If you stop looking for your own lack. You start looking for the lack of those that are less privileged. And so here from this point, to that's the beginning of the Bible, to Revelations chapter 12, verse 4. The devil stands before a woman to devour her child. It's been his systematic, pinpointed efforts to destroy any mothering from the womb. You recall, I recall, mothers that don't like to be pregnant. That consider having children a hindrance. That curse the seed in their womb. And have beat their stomach to abort the seed. In our generation, despising becoming a mom. Hating. I asked a, a young girl yesterday, are you going to become a mom? She says, no way. I don't want to take care of one of these little it's things. And I have no value on what a seed is. And the, the devil stood before the woman who is ready to give birth to devour her. Abortion is a dictate of antichrist, systematic, devilish, infernal realities. But it starts in the attitude of a mother as she despises her motherhood. And her daughter says, mom told me that a, a degree in the university was of higher value and more worth. And this is what's going on in our generation. The Satan to devour the child as it was born. But there in verse 5 it says she gave birth to a male child. And he was caught up to rule the nations with a rod of iron in his purpose. To have authority. Listen to me. No son could have authority if his mom doesn't submit. And you can say amen or not. No son desires authority to be diminished by a woman who doesn't respect her husband. I've heard the stories all the time. My husband told me not to build, and I built. My, my husband told me not to buy, and I bought. We decided we weren't going to get a car, and I went out and bought a car. And all those attitudes are straight from the pit of hell, inspired by the inferno of disobedience and rebellion, leaving a legacy of destruction. And here God wants to lift up these children to a throne, to rule. And this is what God says. As he contemplates the future, we know what God wanted in the mom. Uh, Luke eleven twenty seven. as she was speaking, Mary, a crowd came out and says, God bless you, woman. May the womb from which the Lord came be blessed and the breast that nursed you, let them be known for generations. Talking to Jesus a mighty prince upon the earth because his mother rose him up in the fear of God and the admonition of the Lord. But when Jesus starts to 
die. The women begin to cry. Luke 23, 27. And there followed him a great multitude of people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. There's nothing uglier than a woman who is suffering the lament of the destruction of God's purpose. Nothing worse. Verse 28, but turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem, quit crying for me and cry for yourselves and for the children that come through you. Now, nobody knows what is going on. What do you mean don't cry for you? What are you looking at that we're not looking at? And Jesus says, there will come a time, verse 29, for indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed it is to not have children. Blessed it is to be barren. Blessed it is to not be responsible and entrusted with eternal treasure. And wombs that never bore are more attractive. And the things we pursue... And the breast which never nursed. In that day, they will begin to say, mountains fall on us, cover us. It's a bad thing to raise up a family. It's a bad thing to have children. It's a bad thing to stay home and raise God-fearing children in the admonition of the Lord. I'd rather die than this happen to me. That's the attitude that is predominant in our homes and in our families, in our generations. Verse 31. For if they do these things in the green wood, the beginning of time, if already before Jesus came, people were hating family. I went to Europe a couple years ago. They were looking at me with my four children as if I would landed on a spaceship. What are those things that you have? Where are these little critters that run around? And every single one of these families had a dog in their purse and was taking their dog to breakfast, was taking their dog and sitting them in restaurants. In fact, there are some restaurants that say, no children allowed, only pets. And that's the heart of a crazy generation of women that have lost their way and have not had their mark and have not seen the value that far exceeds the value of precious stones. And so these are the attitudes that predominate our, our generation. I want to suggest to you that, that God wants world-changing women. God wants to raise up women that could set a mark and, and be really offended at what the devil is trying to do. I want to suggest to you that there was one woman that birthed every false religion upon the earth. It's called paganism. And it's a woman who walked away from God. And she began to declare herself as the queen of heaven. You don't have no king in your home when you're the queen. If Jesus is not king of your life, if you're not living in his parameters, his mandates, his dictates, his decrees, then you're the queen. And you're birthing things God never intended to be birthed upon the earth. In Genesis chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that in the beginning of the kingdom of Babel, Nimrod lifted up cities like Nineveh and like Sodom. Great cities that stood against God. You're telling me that your children don't love God? 
You're telling me that they don't want to walk in the ways of God? You're telling me that they hate God's design and order? I'm going to ask you, what did you cultivate? What did you groom? What are your children seeing as, as a priority that you live for and die for? We see in modern times, our president, Barack Obama, had a mother also. And every political, religious, social ideal was birthed out of the womb of that woman. Now her son walks far from manhood and God's design. I want God to have mercy on us this morning. I want God to allow us to to understand. This is, listen to me. This is not a point of discouragement. This is a point of desire. Luke 16, 15, Jesus says, Don't you know that you are looking very classy and impressive before men? But the things that men hold in esteem, God holds as an abomination. The things that men hold out as impressive. You justify yourselves because you're dealing with men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You determine that. I I had a woman in my office last month. I said, look, I'm not a female. I'm not a woman. I'm not a mother. I'm trying to find out what a man, a husband, and a father is before God. And I'm trying to please him. You should be trying to figure out what pleases God. And start with these parameters that what God calls highly esteemed, man calls embarrassing. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, I'm not trying to win the approval of human beings. Or should I rather receive the approval of God? For if I try to please man, if I were still trying to please others, I would never be a servant of Christ. I would never be able to serve God because you can't serve two masters. This is not a matter of your husband, young lady. This is a matter of God. You stand before God having to give an account before God. There was one time that a young man was totally rebellious. His father was superintendent of the denomination that he served. He was the highest man. And he told that denomination, I have an adolescent young man who doesn't believe in God, who's rebellious, doesn't want to go to church. And I resign. And he resigned his highest post and took his son. And they went into the wilderness. And he started fishing. He started hunting. He started being in a canoe. He started spending the next 10 years of his life with his son. And his son is James Dobson who started the family, focus on the family. He turned the heart of his son back on the right course. You go and do the same. You go and lift up godly seed for God. Ask God, Lord, what do you want? And I assure you, he will take you to Proverbs 31, and you will see an excellent woman. Her worth far exceeds that of U.S. economy. The heart of her husband fully confides in her. They have no lack of prosperity and gain. If a woman stayed home and prayed for her husband, their salary would increase tenfold. Tenfold. I've seen it too many times to not say that. She does good and not evil all the days of her life. She clothes her children. 
Her family looks, she looks for coverings. What's a covering? Prayer covering, character covering, home covering, a meal at home when you get there. Not a ghost. My mom was a ghost. Don't let your children raise up and say, my mom was a ghost. She wasn't there. There's another woman. She's my mama. Ain't your mama. She's my mama. That's embarrassing that you gave up the highest call to let some lady, your children will never know, mother them, nurture them. She rises up while it's still night. means she's not lazy. She gives food to her entire household. I've seen this happen too many times. Woman says, I'm not going to serve my family. I'm not going to serve my husband. I'm going to go out to Brickell Avenue. I'm going to go up 40 flights of stairs. I'm going to start serving 10, 15 lawyers. I don't know. I will serve my career, my industry. And they have no gain at home. She girds herself with strength. She buys a field. She has sense that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out. She's not discouraged. She's not faint. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. No, you're not. Gird your loins with strength. In Christ, I can do all things. Find your strength in God. She stretches her hand out to the poor. She knows how to sow. That is lost. She extends her hand to the needy, to the poor. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. Bad seasons, winter seasons. All her household are clothed with the blood of Christ. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen, righteous acts. If you're known more by your bad attitude than you are by your joy, you should revisit the cross of Christ. You should revisit his presence. If your every day is a day of mourning, because you're not serving yourself and you want your attention. You have issues. She looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. She opens her mouth with wisdom and not foolishness. She teaches kindness. Many have done well, but she is pursuing excellence. Listen to me. This is a mark of excellence this morning. You can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm giving the high banner of the standard of being before God. A woman that's to be greatly praised. And you're still in season. You're still in season to have your husband and your children raise up. This morning when we raised up, we ran to mom with breakfast and we gave her a car that says, Wonder Woman! Nah! Wonder Woman, you go girl! You're our champion. You're fighting our cause. You're laying your life for us. You are to be praised. You are to be praised. And the starting point today, I don't want to leave you without the starting point, is your relationship with God. A woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. You're not doing this for any other reason to be found right before God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, clothe yourself with a beauty that comes from an inward heart in God, not an unfading outward beauty. A gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious in the sight of God. So precious. The vices of being deceived, 2 Corinthians 11.3, I fear that somehow 
Your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted even as Eve was deceived because the devil was so crafty and cunning. He was so tricky. He swapped the ball on her. He led her round the, round the, the wrong track. The track that Sarah got on to tell her husband, go and produce the fruit you desire with someone else. Go and produce what God desires using someone else's sacrifice. Guess what? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And it's, it's a travesty to see the nation of the Arabic nations rise up through an Ishmael because one woman said, we're not going to wait on God. We're not going to do it God's way. And that's what we've become. We're not going to produce the fruit God wants unless we enter into his order of understanding the difference between virtues and vices. Matthew 14, 8, the destruction of a woman who prompted her daughter to say, cut the head of that man off. That pastor should not preach no more. We don't want to hear him lift up God's desire. So she having made prompted by her mother, say, mother, what are you prompting? In word, in gesture, in spirit, in soul, in example, what has been your idol that you've raised up to start your pagan worship that's twisted? Give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Destroy that voice that's speaking this morning. The falling short of an example of this world-changing woman, world-changing mother. We should seek after the qualities that God desires us to be instilled with. Being able to move in God's direction. 1 Timothy 2.15, a verse that so many women hate and wish they could erase it from the Bible. Paul writes, in bearing children. If you continue in a life of faith, love, and holiness with, with self-control. A woman will be saved. She will be saved if she goes after the pleasure of God. Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. How is this woman looking back to a city that was cursed and was to be destroyed by God? What investment did she have there? And her daughters ran with their father and, and they had no mom. I pray that this morning you press further in. This is, this is my best attempt at trying to understand the heart of God. I, I, I was even thinking of letting my mom preach this morning. I think a mom could preach a lot better than a man. I want, I want you to know that you women are to press farther into these truths. That if your, your daughter hates God and she hates the house of God and she's ignorant to the ways of God, don't look further than yourself in the mirror. Because she is the seed of your womb. Let's stand today and say, God, give us grace that we might turn the course of our generations. That we might turn the course of our character. You know what the word turn in the Bible means? Repent. Turn around. Don't leave it for tomorrow. Don't leave it for your grandchildren. The Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What are you giving your grandchildren as parents? People that despise the house, the family, the presence, the virtues that are to be praised for generations? Don't be deceived. Ask God to give you the strength 
The desire. See, I, I have an issue on Father's Day with these men that are going to go into a cage, the WW, what is called MMA, and they beat their brains out. I'm a man. You're no man. You're a wimp. A man raises up a family and takes care of a woman and lays his down, life down for his wife and serves her and loves her and makes sure she's not sweating. Drops of sweat because of work. Because you're the one that needs to work. Your wife is to raise up your family. And you lay down. One of these aspects of a woman who knows how to diligently manage treasure is the concept of a man that goes out and does war. God gives him the victory. He brings back the plunder and lays it at her feet. And say, here, mama, this is what daddy got for you this week. You manage, I'm going to go get more. You manage, and you're my queen. You sit on my throne. You rule the nations with my authority. I lay down at your feet the, the air bill, the electrical bill, the car gas bill, the insurance bill. My God shall provide for me. You raise up my seed. You raise up my family. Men nowadays are saying, well, what did you study? How are you going to work for us to get married? That's the, the, the poor man in our day. The poor man, just like Jesus says, the day will come where they say that, that it will be awful for women to give forth babes and nurse and, and to have babes. It says it will be awful. Men will not want to be men. Men will not want to fight the battles of the Lord. And I believe that if we honor the God of heaven, he will honor us. And he will begin to put all things in place. And he'll make things flourish and prosper and be fruitful as we live for his glory. Because it's not by power nor by might, saith the Lord, but by my spirit. And Father, as we hear in the meditation of your heart and your sanctuary, we pray that this would not stay at the level of thought, intellect, words, but that we might fulfill your purpose and plan for this precious seed that you've placed in our care. Our precious sons, our beautiful daughters, these families that you want to use to change the world. I pray, oh God, that we not just be hearers of your word, but doers. That you fill us with the spirit of God. And that the world might be astounded. Might they marvel and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what a delightful land. Look what a flourishing field. Let us rise and shine in our generational God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. as we.